Today, we're talking with Tina Forsyth on leveraging the power of an online business manager. If you don't know what that is, after today, you definitely will, and you definitely want to know. So you don't want to miss this one. So don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shattered the Mold, Andrew S. Kaplan. Really excited to be here with you today. We've got an awesome guest, an awesome interview, and awesome new insights to share with you. But before we get there, quick little note and reminder that no surprise, this episode is brought to you by my book, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, available on Amazon in Kindle and audiobook and paperback, of course, depending on the format that you like. And by the way, even though lastlawofattractionbook.com is the way to get there and check out the listing on Amazon, you can just as easily go to youtube.com slash Andrew Cap if you want to check out the free content devoted to the book. With that said, let's switch up mics and dive straight into today's interview with Tina. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You're definitely going to like this one. Okay, today I am super pumped to have today's guest on. You know, shortly after starting her coaching business back in 2000, Tina Forsyth identified a real gap in the market, noticing that most visionaries in their fields often lack the high-level support needed to implement their strategies in the most useful ways. And she began working with six to seven figure leaders in coaching industry to help them manage and grow their businesses more effectively. Thus, the role of the online business manager or OBM was born. And with demand for this level of support continuing to rise, Tina pivoted and shifted her focus from being the OBM to training a burgeoning army of them, leading to the launch of the International Association of Online Business Managers in 2008 and the organization's certified OBM training. Since then, the OBM industry has established itself as a key element for a multitude of team-based online and virtual businesses that might otherwise not have been able to grow as fast. And for Tina, it's all about helping visionaries and business leaders align their companies with their calling as she continues to help them bring on top performers for taking their businesses to the next level. I know we are in for some real value here. So uh, without any further ado, Tina Forsythe, thank you so much for being here and welcome to Shatter the Mold. Yes, thanks for inviting me. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm so pumped to have you. And, you know, I guess the first obvious question, even though people kind of understand it based on, on that um, introduction, what is the difference between an online business manager and a more rudimentary understanding of like, you know, a virtual assistant or anything that people usually deviate to when they yeah. hear about getting help virtually? Yeah, absolutely. Uh one of the key differences is a VA, a virtual assistant, is there to be a doer in the business. Their focus is on being the doer, being the one to get things done, whereas an online business manager is focused more on the management layer of the business. And, and to explain the difference there, too, I mean, I'm a firm believer every business should have a VA and probably have more than one VA over time as soon as they can. Like it's never too early to hire a virtual assistant or to hire virtual uh, doing support in our business, right? It's a good practice to to be doing that as early as we can. What happens a lot with uh, in the life cycle of a growing business as they're shifting into that, say, early six, wanting to grow up through seven figures and above, I like to look at that as the stage of growth where, okay, my business is getting bigger 
than me now. And when the business gets bigger than a person, a single person, um, it just brings a whole bunch of other things into the mix that need to happen, right? In order for that business to run day to day. And ultimately the role of an OBM is about making sure the right things get done in the right way, at the right time, and by the right person. That's how I define management in sort of a very simple fashion as well too. And so when, when, a OB, when a business owner is working with an online business manager, it's the OBM that's plugging into that space of like, or what are we doing? What's coming up? Is this thing getting done? Did that get done? Does this person have what they need? Do we have somebody to do this? Do we have like all of this stuff that starts kicking into our brains as growing business owners, uh, especially in that early six figure and up stage, it get that becomes a real burden mm -hmm. for those of us who are growing. And so the OBM is plugging into that management level space where they are doing planning and looking ahead. Uh, you mentioned our certified OBM community. I mean, that's one of the things that we do in the community that our certified OBMs do is they will do 90 day planning with their clients once a quarter, then they're doing the project management, making sure that things are actually getting done, uh, work with the operations, streamlining, automating, creating SOPs and processes, working with the virtual team or working with other team members as well in the business. And it's not to say an OBM doesn't do any of the doing. I mean, they certainly can to some degree, but it's that focus on just making sure stuff is getting done in the right way at the right time by the right person with that. So that, that the weight of that doesn't just end up on the shoulders of the business owner. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, they're basically, they're keeping the train on the rails and, you know, yeah. whereas a, a more antiquated version is like, you have to be in one space and you've got an in-house office manager. Yeah. OBM is your online business manager and they're, they're moving all the pieces around and, I imagine they have to be entrepreneurial to a certain extent and they have to be good orchestrators. They have to be good um, managers of, of chaos probably yeah. because so many moving <laughs> parts that they encounter. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, it's really one of these like, and the office manager role or even like a pre-COO type role to some degree is a great way to describe it when we're looking at the traditional kind of offline or corporate world, because it really is, it can be a manager of chaos, especially in the beginning, if there isn't a lot of structure or planning or process or anything in place yet. But the role of an OBM is ultimately to like get out of the chaos space too. You know, we kind of joke in, in our OBM community, in our association, like, you know, you're an OBM when you see like a big mess in someone's business and like, you can't wait to get in there to clean it up and fix it. Mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? So it, it is that space where they'll jump into the chaos, they'll help manage the chaos, they'll help clean up the chaos. So ultimately, we can build, you know, that when, as we're growing a business, we want to be able to like set a foundation for growth at a certain stage where it does not all just land on our own shoulders mm. as the leaders of our companies. Because that's the, that's the danger in so many ways of not having good support as we continue to grow and expand. And, and it's not new for anyone to think about hiring a VA, or I should say, you know, for those of us in the online world, at least, uh, people have been talking about and hiring VAs and such for years now. I mean, and, and rightfully so. I mean, we always need 
VAs and doing level support in the business. Uh, but it's it's an unexpected thing I find with a lot of of growing business owners that you know we don't even realize there's this this management piece that kicks in at a certain point. And I know for my own journey in growing my business, as well as you know colleagues and clients and people I've worked with over the years, it can kind of be this rude awakening of it's on, on what the first thing that happens usually is like, woohoo, I'm making money. Finally, you know, I've been like hustling or, you know, working my butt off to start to create this business and start to grow this business and sell whatever it is that I sell. And we get to that space where it's like, yay, I'm making the money. You know, it's, it's like a first milestone in that, in that life cycle of a growing business. But then shortly after that can become like, yikes, Mm -hmm. like now I've got this business (laughs) to run. And now I've got this business that I'm carrying around. Because people, you know, obviously they, they have to learn how to deal with failure and, you know, overcome that no matter how many times it comes with, oftentimes people don't realize you also have to learn how to deal with success because otherwise you can't, that in and of itself becomes a, a harsher or more difficult failure because in the beginning, and just as one example, you know, you've only got so many customers and you wish you had more, but at least you're serving them, right? The last thing you want is to get too many customers or clients. And then your reputation goes down the drain because now you can't serve them and word is getting out. So there is such a thing as being too successful too soon. If you don't have the right team or infrastructure, that's going to be able to cope with that or handle that for you. Yeah. And and it can become a real burden that that we can end up carrying on our own shoulders too. I mean, I, I lovingly refer to myself as a recovering control freak, mm-hmm. right? And and I think you know many of my fellow business owners and such can relate to that <laughs> that sentiment in varying ways, because the first that first stage of growth in business, um, it is up to us to make things happen. Like anytime we're starting a business, we're starting something new, uh, even if we're starting a new business, when we had a business before that, there is that first initial stage of, uh, that's really the proving the business model stage Mm -hmm. of, okay, have I created something that people want to buy and that they want to buy repeatedly? Like it's got some, you know, it's, it's got some legs to it here. That initial stage of getting through to the proving the business model piece, starting to make money, starting to have people come in the door, that is very much on our own shoulders. And, and there's, there's support and there's help we can get in that stage as well, too, whether it's on the strategic coaching side or, you know, consulting side or VAs and doers and other types of of help there too. But that first stage of business growth is so much about us and our own drive and our own hustle. And truthfully too, um, you know, I remember somebody, (laughs) this might be a somewhat weird analogy (laughs) to some degree, but I've, I've been divorced now for over seven years, seven and a half years. And I remember one of the conversations I had with my ex uh, as things were wrapping up shall we say, one day, one of the conversations was, well, you're such a control freak. This was something that my ex said to me. And it was meant to be like, you're such a control freak kind of thing, like a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember in that moment, I was like, yeah. And that's part (laughs) of why I've been able to be as successful as I've been. Yeah. Like there is something to own in this too, that, that there is that measure of it's on our shoulders and we're making it happen and we're hustling and we're doing it our way and all of that. Like that's an important piece of the journey, I think for many of us. And yet 
when we get to that place, like you were saying, it's, I love the way you describe that. It's like, if we don't even know how to handle success, then it can become failure mm -hmm. in that way too. When we get to that certain point that, you know, all right, I reached that first milestone, making money, woohoo. It can be really easy to keep thinking we have to do it all on our own still, right? That we still have to carry the weight of everything around yeah. on our shoulders and that we still have to have everything coming to us and through us and, and that we are the only one that has to drive everything still moving forward. And I know, I mean, I have yet to meet a person who has said when they started their business, like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to work 24 <laughs> seven, rarely see my family, you know, to like be on vacation, but have to constantly be checking you know, my phone and email and messages and, you know, to have people, you know, harassing me for stuff that they need that I've fallen behind on and what, like, none of us started our business to have it right. suck the life out of us, right. essentially. Yeah. But that can happen. It could. And, you know, it's very interesting to hear you say this. And also, even in your answer, I, I heard you mention control free come up in two different themes and two different ways as you were answering that. And, yeah. You know, you said you're a recovering one. I'm not even recovering. I'm still there. And <laughs> I think it's it's really funny because, well, not so funny, um, because one unspoken thing that you've stumbled on through this process that a lot of people don't even realize is kind of like the elephant in the room mm -hmm. is there's a layer or a level of trust that is preventing people from doing something. So just like you yeah. said, no one gets into the business saying, I can't wait to have everyone harassing and haranguing me over something. By that same token, People, when you reasonably ask them, they don't also say, I can't wait to put the put my trust and the health and success of my business and my livelihood and my future in the hands of a complete stranger, right? So mm -hmm. this is obviously the bigger challenge and the bigger unspoken challenge that most people probably even listening until I mentioned it don't even realize they have that's keeping them from hiring a VA or an OBM or anyone else for that matter sooner, you know, sooner than they should. And I guess my question for you is, what do we do about that? What do people that work with you, how do they handle this? How do they get past this? Is there an easy way of transitioning into this situation where you have to trust somebody brand new that you can do it effectively and you can hand off your business without feeling like you are swerving out of control and there's nothing you can do about it? Yeah, I think, I wouldn't say there's an easy way, but I would say there's a purposeful way that we can do that. Cause, cause that is bang on Andrew. I know uh, that is why I call myself a recovering control freak too. It's like this default mode of when we think of hiring support to help us out in our business is, you know, well, what if they mess it up? What if they don't do it right? You know, what if they suck? What if they don't do it the way I like? What if like, there's all these things that pop up within ourselves when we are considering hiring support. And it does come back to, like you said, ultimately these trust questions. And so one of the, one of the key things around trust is like anything in life, like any type of relationship in life, trust is something that gets earned and built over time. So I'm not a believer in the idea of um, blindly giving someone trust and then saying, see you later. You know, one of, one of the things I talk about in um, one of the, the, the opposite of the control freak, if you will, when it, one of the leadership concepts I talk about is when we are in moments of stress, uh, many of us, we tend to either default to being that control freak, like, okay, let me take it all back. 
I got to do this. I got to do that. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to get back in again. Or we might default to being what I call an ostrich, Mm. where it's like, I'm going to put my head in the sand. I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope it works out. Or if we have team, I'm just going to, they can figure it out. Like that's almost a form of abdicating, you know, on one side, it's like abdicating everything. And on the other side, it's like micromanaging. everything within that. And so trust does get built and earned over time in the way that we approach how we hire, who we hire, the expectations, the agreements, and also to be able to see and experience it over time. Because if I've never had an experience yet of someone on my team that can get things done for me, and do them really, really well. And uh, in some cases, do them better than me. Well, in many cases at this stage, do it better <laughs> than I would do it anyways. Uh, then we just don't have anything to relate it to yet. Like if we haven't experienced it yet, then we don't have anything to relate it to. So the some of the key things that kick in when we're looking through the lens of trust, um, that first piece of it does take time. Like when you're starting to work with somebody, we want to approach it as though we trust them from day one, right? Like we're not going to start working with somebody and be like, oh, I don't know about you or whatever. Like that wouldn't, you know, we're not approaching it from that suspicious place in like a very, you know, verbal way, but that may be what's in the back of our minds. Like, all right, yes, let's do this. Let's get started. This is great. We're going to work on X together. And in the back of our minds, we might be like, well, I don't know yet. You know, I mean, that's okay. That's natural. We'll always start that way for the most part. Even if we've had team and experience and worked with other people great in the past, and it's been a good thing. Every time somebody new comes on board, there's going to be a measure of that, like earning trust Mm -hmm. piece that kicks in. Um, but a couple of things, or one, one other element to this that's really important is it's more about process than it is about people mm. in certain ways, too. So in particular, when we are, you know, I know for me, I can be picky. I have high standards. There's certain things I want done a certain way. And that was one of the things that really, you know, got in the way for me in the earlier days was like, well, nobody's going to do it as good as I do it. And that could be true, but it actually may not be true because if you can take something out of our own heads in the way that I do this thing and lay out a clear process for how to get it done, then other people can actually do it as well as we would do it because they could do it the same way mm-hmm. that we would do it. And so with a process, the, the co- it's the combination of like the people and the processes together in the business that get built out and developed over time that can allow us to really be in this trust space. I, when I know my process is solid, I can trust my process, Mm -hmm. but if there's no process, this is something I'll see happen uh, on a pretty regular basis with, um, with say a business owner who's bringing somebody on their team and maybe they haven't worked with somebody before or they have, and it hasn't worked out. Um, but you know, they bring somebody on board and it's like, well, I tried working with this person, but they didn't do it right. Or they did it differently, or I didn't like the way they did it. So, I mean, the problem wasn't, was, wasn't that the person didn't get things done. The problem was that they weren't doing it the right way or the same way that they would, that I would have done it, or the, the business owner would have done it. 
And then, you know, my second question is usually about, well, tell me about the process. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there wasn't one. <laughs> and as somebody who worked with me <laughs> years ago, she would lovingly say in regards to her clients that she was working with, where she's like, I can't, you know, I can't look up your butt and read your mind kind of thing, right? <laughs> like a, yeah. a somewhat crude way to say that, right? But the idea of when we are hiring and bringing people on board and we know we are, let's be picky, let's have high standards. Like I'm all for that. I mean, we can be unreasonable in the timing of things that we're looking for. That can be a little extreme, but if we know there's certain ways we've done things and they've worked and we want to continue to do things certain ways, then it's up to us as the leaders to make sure we're getting the processes out of our brains and out in a way that can be utilized by the team as well too. And, and so in a strange way there, there is a, it is about trusting the person, but that process can be the bridge to trusting the person as well too. Got it. Cool. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm listening very intently and, there were two major insights that I pulled out of what you were just saying these past few minutes. Number one, we, we kind of glossed over it because, you know, you made the really important point and then we moved on was that what people do in moments of stress. And we we're talking about in the context of a business going haywire, but I think it's really important to shine a spotlight on this, that yeah, when someone's under stress, maybe they're going to become a control freak, or maybe they're going to be an ostrich and bury their head in the sand, or maybe they're going to do something else. And I think it's really important for people to have a recognition that in life, in relationships, in your business, you do have a default reaction to your stress. And I think it would be really important, whether it's in the context of maybe hiring an OBM or just life in general, to identify that and almost have an expectation of how you're going to respond so that maybe you have a more productive or more healthy response kind of waiting to try out. Because if you are, and this is me talking to the audience, if you're a type of person that buries your head in the sand and that hasn't been serving you, Again, whether it's a relationship issue or it's a friendship issue or it's a business or whatever it might be, um, now might be the time to identify that in yourself and see what you can do. So thank you for bringing that up and getting into the conversation. But the other piece that really um, resonated with me was this value of process because the whole thing about trust is, yeah, if you can't trust somebody, then maybe you want to answer the question of what can you do to make trust an easier thing for them to achieve? Where can you put your perspective? Where can you put your guidance in an easily repeatable way that they can just do with instructions? And I remember you and I had a conversation about this before we ever obviously hit the record button here, where it's like, if you are overwhelmed and you want to hand something off, maybe the next time you're doing this really long, uh, annoying thing, you might want to take notes down. You might want to write down the steps. You might want to document it. Maybe you want to screenshot what screens look like, what buttons are being pushed. Maybe you want to say like, what things are you, what are the common obstacles that you're always having to fix that the person needs to look out for that most people wouldn't spot unless they made the mistake and they had to go back and do it. Like all these different things. It's like, if you don't trust and you, you're not, you're not sure how things are going to go about build the playbook, build the the guidance, build the instruction manual for these people to follow, because not only are you making it easier for them, but you're also making it easier for you to check their work, to build that trust, to ensure that they're doing it right in those early times. And that's the point where you can either course correct them or maybe unfortunately even identify that they're not the right fit for you. Yeah. The ultimately we want to build our a business on process and not on people. Uh, people are the most unreliable aspect of any business. And I don't mean that 
based on the person. I mean, there's certainly unreliable people and chances are we're not going to work with them long if we're aware that happens. But I'll give you this example. Um, back in, uh, so I hired my own online business manager almost exactly 10 years ago now. <laughs> it was actually, I had already started training and certifying OBMs. And my own coach at the time was like, um, Tina, I think you need to hire your own OBM now. And I literally hadn't even thought of it yet. Like it was kind of fun. Like, oh my gosh, you're right. I do. So I hired uh, my first OBM back in 2010 and Tiffany worked together with me for about seven years. One of the, what we started doing in our own work together over those, those first couple of years was very purposely building out our processes, right? Or building out our SOP standard operating procedures. If we're using that, you know, nice buzzwordy term, um, building out that playbook that here's how we do things around here guide. We, it was funny because even for her and I together for a period of like, say the first half a year, we were kind of winging it and flying by the seat of our pants. And then we were like, okay, I remember we kicked our own, you know, or we kicked each other's butts a little bit at a certain point and said, we got to get serious about this. Let's get mm. these processes laid out. Let's get this done. Right. So we were one week before one of our certification training groups starting. So we would run that program twice a year and we were one week before the start of that program. So right in the final parts of all the marketing and right in the final parts of, of the program starting, the delivery of the training starting the week after. I get a message from Tiffany one morning. My sister has been killed in a car accident. I need to go. Wow. Right. So as you can imagine, you know, from a personal perspective, like, of course, yes, like, my gosh, like, there's all kinds of things about that. She had to totally be 100% unplugged from the business. And I had this moment of like, ah, like, so from a business perspective, though, you know, I had this moment of like, ah, you know, shit, Tiffany, the hub, you know, is gone. But we because we had worked so hard and been so purposeful to set up our processes, to set up our project management tool, right? So that Every task that needed to be done was already laid out in there with the due dates and with the here's how this gets done. Here's this piece over here. Here's this piece over there. Uh, myself and Ashley, another the, the other uh, one of my other team members at the time, Ashley and I just hopped on in to our project management tool, you know, ran through the list of what was on Tiffany's plate, reassigned it. And, you know, of course, we missed her. We were sad for her, like all of that, absolutely. And we were literally able to, you know, continue through. Mm -hmm. And it was probably about a week or so later, you know, when Tiffany was able to circle back and plug in again. And so it was this, if, if we did not have those processes in place, oh, that would have been a shit show. Yeah. Right. Like that would not have been a fun time. Uh, would we have figured it out? I'm sure we would have hustled. We would have this, we would have that, you know, we would have made it happen, but it would have been stressful and exhausting and all kinds of things um, mm -hmm. and frustrating. And so as a business, because we had those processes in place, um, we didn't have to like rely if you will, just on a single person, whether or not that single person is there. And, you know, and Tiffany also said too, when she was able to plug back into the business, it was helpful for her to know that, you know, she wanted to and had to spend, had to focus all her energy on her family at that time. Um, and there wasn't a part of her that felt like, oh, I should go check in here. Or, oh, I should go check in there. Or I left them high and dry, or they're going to be whatever. Like she was also able. Yeah. To focus and be exactly 
where she needed to be at that time. And so, you know, like a process doesn't do anything without a person, right? Like a a process needs a person to come to life. Um, And at the same time, it's one of the common mistakes I'll see with business owners. And I can see this cycle happen too, where we think it's just about the person. Like we think it's, I got to find the right person. I got to find the right person. I got to find the right person. And I'll see this cycle of, I hired somebody. Oh, it's not working out. Okay. I'm going to let that person go. Okay. I'm trying this again. Okay. It's not working out. I'm going to let that, like, they're not doing it the right way or they're not doing whatever, or it's not working out. Okay. I got to let them go. And then that cycle might happen two or three times. And then the business owner might say, forget it. Just going to keep doing it all on my own. Mm-hmm again too right and that's the type of cycle that can be broken by building process yeah into the mix so it's interesting hearing this this answer and this insight from you because here we kind of began this train of a conversation of the question of trust and you know do you really want to put your business in the hands of one person but hearing us go through this and hearing us talk about processes it sounds to me i'm coming from a perspective of hearing about all this for the first time But it sounds to me like, you know, an OBM and the process that the OBM and the um, basically the uh, the culture that the OBM introduces into a company is actually the opposite. It's about not needing one person. It's about not relying on one person. It's about being resting in the fact that, you know, whether it's you or the OBM or anyone else, if someone has to deviate or has to leave the business for a week, the -hmm. business is built to thrive. It's built to continue. It's built to sustain that impact or that trauma in a way that things are still on the rails. Keep again, going back to that theme of keeping the train on the rails. So that's what I'm getting out of this conversation that, you know, on the surface, it's like trust is holding you back from doing this. But really, if you think about it more deeply, trust should be about saying, well, no, maybe I should do this to inject more reliability into the life of the business. Yeah. And because uh, an OBM will work to build out the processes mm-hmm. and the SOP and everything with a business owner too, right? I mean, that's part of uh, that's part of the role. That's one of the key things yeah. that they bring to the table. Or I should say, a certified OBM. I mean, a certified OBM is very purposely trained in this area. There, there's a you know, there's people out there that call themselves all kinds of different things, and by all means, we can find great people in many places. Um, But it's worth noting too that like as business owners, we want to be really clear if I know, okay, I want to start getting my processes out, laying out SOPs, et cetera. And I want somebody to help me with that. So this is another piece actually in relation to the trust part too, is we actually need to, we need to know what we want first. So I'll talk about this in the, as the differentiation between the what and the how. So as a business owner, I'm responsible to know what I'm actually looking for when I'm bringing somebody on board. Um, It can be really easy for someone to say, hey, you need to hire a VA or hey, you should hire an OBM or you should hire a social media person or you should hire this person. Right. And we might even have coaches telling us like, oh, it's time that you go hire this person. And then we could take that at face value and be like, oh, I'm going to go find a VA now. Right. But it's like, okay, what do you actually want this person to do for you? Mm. Because what I need someone to do is going to be different than what you need someone to do. And to be really clear on that, what, like, I want this person to plug in and 
whatever the the deliverable the result like what is it i actually want them to take care of because when we can be clear on that up front then of course it can help find the right person but it can also lend itself to this space of we actually have something to measure the trust against Mm, i love that that makes sense right like because i will also see you know i've seen people like oh i hired a va but I didn't know what I wanted them to do for me. So I didn't, and then they didn't do, you know, and so we just quit working together and it's kind of like, okay, well you hired somebody without knowing what you need from them. Yeah. <laughs> and I get that that can happen. I it's get so that that funny. can happen. Yeah. It's so funny to hear you say it because yeah, people, they, they told that they're supposed to hire someone. They're overwhelmed. Like, I guess I'm supposed to hire someone, but you're right. Like, okay. Are they relieving friction Are they relieving friction in a certain area? Are they enhancing a sales result? Are they enhancing a customer service result? Like, what is it that they are really meant to do so that not only are you able to judge the trust and the the result, but so that also you can guide and direct them in a way to really measure if they can do this and to really get that result that you're looking for to begin with? Well, because we have to be on the same page with the person we're hiring Mm. in order to build trust. Right. So if I'm hiring somebody and in my mind, I'm either not really sure. I just know I need help, but whatever. I don't really know what I need. Um, Or somebody told me I should hire somebody if I'm operating from that space or if I'm operating from like, I do know I need help in certain areas, but I haven't communicated that well through the hiring process or with the person I'm working with as they're brought on board. Um, I might be over here thinking this is what success looks like in our working relationship. And then they're over here thinking it's something totally different. And then at a certain point, I'm like, oh, well, that's not, I I didn't want that. I wanted this. And they're thinking, but I thought you wanted this. Or what do you mean? I've been working my butt off. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, it just becomes this real mismatch that happens here. So it is our responsibility as business owners to actually determine what we want help with. And and this can be as simple as like, if we are the only ones in our business, or even like maybe it's us and a handful of other people or one or two other people, um, a lot of times it starts with looking at what's on our own to-do list yeah. as, the, as the owner and leader of the company. And so I, one of the exercises I do with my clients is we always build, before they hire anyone, we always build what I call their yes list, like their CEO yes list. And the yes list essentially is, I mean, we're owning, you know, we're driving the growth of the company to whatever degree that's part of our yes list. And of course we can get help in that too, at varying stages along the way, but we're really, we are the ones that own the growth of a company. The yes list is usually related to the things that we like doing, like the reason we started the company to begin with. Mm -hmm. If I like coaching, I want to keep coaching. If I like writing, I want to keep writing or whatever that may be. That's often part of it. Um, The leadership of team and other aspects of the business too. I mean, we definitely need to own the leadership piece, you know, vision, mission, where are we headed? Why bigger picture strategy? Like these are all things that ultimately need to be on our yes list Mm. as a CEO, as the leader of the company. And in theory, everything else can come off our plate. Yeah. At some point along the way. It's, it's interesting hearing you put it that way. And like, you know, here I'm a guy who wrote a, a law of attraction book. And um, I don't know if you do this in addition to the yes list, but my brain was even defaulting to creating a no list. My brain was defaulting to sit down for two hours 
and write every complaint, every single small and big complaint you have about your business, because then in front of you, you'll have a list of things that you might want help with. And you can decide, is an OBM good for this? Is a VA good for this? Should it, yeah. I even be doing this in my business? Like having that list of, and tell me if, if um, you disagree, but I figure also in addition to a yes list, having this no list that clear as day of what you want to solve might help you take ownership of figuring out the right person and plugging them in in the right way. Well, and it's because with the yes list, like everything else can become the no list mm. too, right? Like mm. it, it is exactly that, that same concept where once I'm part of what happens to as we're growing and expanding the business is we don't even know what our own role is or yeah. what it's supposed to be. Um, I had an identity crisis moment with, with Tiffany, who I mentioned already as well, when her and I started working together, uh, it was probably about six months into her and I working together. So she came in, she took things over. She was running the team and running the projects and taking care of everything. Um, and truth, and she was doing a great job. And I, I got to the point, uh, you know, about six months in or so with everything where all of a sudden I noticed like she, you know, people in the, t- in, people in the business would go to her with questions instead of coming to me, people would, you know, I, she knew things about my business that I didn't know. Right. And so I had this identity crisis moment where I'm like, Oh shit, if I'm not the one, if I'm not that person anymore, like in the middle of everything, in the thick of everything, I know everything, everybody's coming to me for everything. Then what am I like? What is my role here in this? And because I had been so, involved in my business as a doer and as a manager of my own business as well for so many years it's like I didn't even know what life could look like outside of that and with my coach at the time I mean you know thankfully I had a coach at the time and you know we worked through that and redefined my role and you know he really helped me work through some of the challenges around that I mean even as a a bit of a personal example within that one of the things I came to realize was I was used to being the smartest person in the room. Mm. I distinctly remember in grade three, deciding I was going to get straight A's in school. And I did all through school, not in college, but like all through high school, I got straight A's. I was always one of those smartest people in the room. People would come to me with questions and all that kind of stuff, right? Like I grew up, you know, in my younger years and through you know, my twenties and, and early thirties in that real space of like, I'm always the smartest person in the room. That wasn't like in the front of my mind. That was like, yeah, you know, it, subconscious. It, it, it governed that, just the way you saw the world without you even realizing when it was happening. Well, and that's exactly it. And so that was part of what was getting tapped into mm. when I had that identity crisis, when Tiffany came on board and she was doing a great job and it really, it was shifting that dynamic where it was like, I'm literally not the smartest person in my business anymore, right? I'm not the smartest person in the room. And being able to recognize that I could have easily sabotaged that. Yeah. Right. Like it would if I had hit that spot and not looked a little deeper, not had the support of a coach, not been willing to kind of like look it in the eye, so to speak, um, I very easily could have been like, I would have done something to sabotage it. I would have whatever Tiffany and I probably wouldn't have worked together anymore. Like I would have done something to put myself back in that space. Mm. Okay. I'm the smartest person in the room again, you know, but if that had been the case, then I still would have been the one, you know, doing too much and carrying too much and all of this kind of stuff that kicks in. Right. 
Yeah, so this brings up a really obvious question. Well, hopefully, t- obvious question, because it sounds to me like when you tackled this identity crisis, you had the, the maturity to be like, listen, I'm not going to mess with Tiffany. She's doing her thing. So I am not changing that dynamic. So with that assumption yeah. and understanding in mind, I'm curious because I'm sure people that are anticipating getting an OBM and are anticipating a shift and anticipating an identity crisis, what did you personally do in terms of a reinvention or a reassignment of roles in the context mm-hmm. of the business? We, it would, I would say it was more that Tiffany stayed in the role that she was in versus me trying to nose my way back it. into it because she had come on board and it was January of 2010. She had come on board and was very much jumped into running the projects, working directly with the team. Like I was no longer the one in communication with the VAs on the team. They all worked through Tiffany. She was getting things done. We were moving things forward. Like she was doing all of that Mm. and doing it really well. And for the first part of that year, I had a lot of creative stuff going on. Like we were, it was the second time I think we had launched the OBM certification training. Um, We were creating a new program at that time. So I was in a lot of creative mode. That was the piece that kind of distracted me almost for the first part of that year. And so we were working really, really well together, but it was, I just remember one time there was somebody in one of our coaching groups that went and asked Tiffany a question instead of asking me a question. And I was the coach, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even a bad, like it was something totally, and believe me, Tiffany's a great coach too. I mean, she actually did coach in many of our programs for years after that as well. Um, so it, it was, it wasn't even a big question. It was kind of like, oh, how do I do this quick techie thing of some kind? It's like, yeah, it makes a lot more sense to ask her anyways, but it hit me in that moment of like, well, why aren't they asking me? Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's where it started to really be like, who the heck am I in this business Yeah. Well, now? You know, and and so it was a bit more about making sure that I just wasn't getting in the, like all of a sudden trying to take it all back, getting yeah. in the way of everything uh, versus having to make bigger changes right at that moment. So hearing you say that, and I'm, you know, fully admit I am projecting here. I feel yeah. like if I was in your situation, I'm hearing that I personally wouldn't be struggling with, oh my God, I'm not the smartest person in the room anymore. I would be struggling with, oh my God. I'm not the most important person in the room anymore. Yeah. And well, and we all have our different, like deeper stuff, right? Yeah. Like our different needs. Like some of us, we might have, you know, I also can have a need to be liked. We might have a need to be respected or a need to be important or there, you know, need to be the smartest one, whatever that is. And I had never even thought of that until yeah, yeah. that moment. I mean, I'd done like a good at least 10 years of personal development and all kinds of things, you know, yeah, in yeah. my life and business up to that point. Um, and so I think that too was part of where I was able to look at it. Like, I mean, business is the best personal development journey around anyway. Yeah, really. Like, and gonna... it's, it's funny. Yeah. Cause I don't even need to be the most important person in the room, but I am having identity thing where I have to be the most important person in my business. Ah. So I guess that's something that I definitely have to be cognizant of when I start hiring out, because like me, I'm honestly, sometimes I don't want to be the most important or smartest person in the room because I learn from others. But when it comes to my business, there definitely is an ego thing and a thing of saying, I've got to be the, I've got to be the one that ultimately everyone can rely on or ultimately has the answer. And this, I'm glad I'm having this conversation because that's shining a light on something that I have to look at more closely as I expand my business. 
and it will become, or it can become the place that we get stalled. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what can happen, right? I, and I really do think there's layers that get peeled back at every stage along the way too, right? So, cause you know, it's, there might be this first layer of like, Ooh, I'm going to let go of this. So maybe I'm not, you know, the smartest about that piece anymore. And then it's like, Ooh, I'm going to let go of that. I know for me, another bit of an identity crisis of sorts over that's happened over the years is with the certified OBM community. Cause I've, you know, I started the association, I started the training, I started the whole thing back in 2008, to 2008 with my book, 2009 with the training. And um, about four years ago now, I was looking to make some changes in, in the business. And I wasn't really, about four years ago is when Tiffany left. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at, okay, what do we do now with this thing, right? Like, who's going to teach what? And what do I do with this? And I had uh, somebody come to me who said, hey, would you ever consider having somebody else teach the OBM certification, like teach your training? I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> it was like a <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Like yeah. it solved so many things that were going on at the time. But I have four certified OBM trainers now who mm. are the ones that they go out. They're that front face of the training. They're the ones that people initially connect with and they come into, you know, they go through their training program. Then they come into the association uh, at the point where they're actually getting certified and go through our process and everything then. So I, there's a lot of people now who they know the trainers first from the, through the certified OBM lens before they ever know who I am. Yeah. And I that's another version of that. Yeah, well, I still, I, I mean, you know, my, I'm putting my marketing brain on and putting my own perspectives and my own biases on, but I yeah. think that's way better for your positioning. I think at your oh, level status, yes. they shouldn't have access to you right away because that's, that's a higher level and certainly not a level needed for them to win and succeed through what your company is doing. Oh, and it, it's, it's been very purposeful all along, right? Like I, I, you know, I never wanted it to be just the Tina show at, you know, it, it obviously it was a big part of that in the beginning. It was very purposeful to be like, yes, this, just like the business needed to be bigger than me. Like this certified OBM world needs to be bigger than me. You know, you can't have an, an, an association or an industry or whatever that's based on a person. That just doesn't even make sense. So it's been very purposeful and it's been very powerful and expansive and amazing in all kinds of ways. And there's still that little personal bit for me sometimes too, right? Like that deeper part that's kind of like, ooh, huh, you know, like it. So it's a very, it can be, a, I just think business can be freaking humbling too, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> It is the like businesses and relationships are without a doubt the top personal development tools that the universe will ever force on you, whether you like it or yeah. not. And it, yeah. it really is. It's it's a new learning experience every single day. And I did want to make sure to ask you um, while we're talking, like I'm making an assumption about your business. I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like there are two primary sets of people that come to you. One set are people that want to become an OBM. But if I yes. understand correctly, there's another set that wants to hire the OBM because they know that you are training them. Is that a, a fair way of putting it? Yes, that's exactly it. That's yeah. great. And and at this stage in the game, it really is our trainers, our certified OBM trainers that are much more focused on the, hey, we want to become an OBM side of things. Like they're working with people more through those channels. The association is where that connection point happens. Mm -hmm. 
So that's where as people become certified, they're in the association. And as people are interested in and ready for and wanting to hire a certified OBM, then they come to the association and they can find and connect with people there. And for me personally, for a number of years now, I've done, you know, various types of coaching and, and, you know, different programs that are working with business owners that are especially in that space of um, that shift from like, I'm going to carry this whole thing on my shoulders to, okay, I'm going to build something that can function without me, that could maybe even grow without me too, you know, but that, that whole journey of being able to let go, to let go, to trust and to, and to do it. Like when you were asking earlier, you know, what's the easy way to do that, it, it really, I wouldn't say it's easy, right? But it's purposeful and it takes time and it can ultimately be worth it. Yeah, yeah. For so many I, I got to say, Tina, I love the synergy of your model, by the way, because it's like one of those things where, of course, it makes sense. You're filling two gaps in the market. There's yeah. people that they want to be an OBM because they know that they're right for it. But now they don't have to worry about finding work elsewhere. They already know that people are in touch with you. And by that yeah. same token, the people that are in touch with you understand you're, just, you're not just randomly picking people out of thin air. You're giving them people that you've personally trained that you've got a stamp of approval on. They've gone through your system, your program, your insights. I yeah. love the way you've seamlessly filled this gap for two people in such a healthy, sensible way. So just props to you for, for creating a business that does that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. So um, we're almost out of time. I mean, I'm spending too much time enjoying talking to you here. We're going long. I had two more questions I want to like sneak in. One, just because I want to make sure I, I, I think it might help people to kind of crawl into your mind a little bit. One thing I noticed on your website is you say you don't just make waves, you make ripples of empowerment. And I'm wondering what inspired that quote and that mindset that you're taking through with your work in the company. Yeah, empowerment is my top value. And so it empowerment is the reason why I started certifying people to become online business managers versus having my own agency of online business managers. Because uh, even years ago, when I was in that space of like, hmm, I could do something with this OBM thing, that was the fork in the road, right? It was like, do I just build an agency and have my own team so people come and hire me and all these, you know, these OBMs? Or do I help other people create a, a business and a livelihood in the same way that I did? And because empowerment is my number one value, that's the path I chose on that side. Because I, and it's still my favorite thing about our certified OBM community. Like to this day, people will, you know, I just got an email this morning from a lady. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm reading your book, my becoming an OBM book. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is me. And I didn't even know this existed. And here's what I'm doing now. And I think I'm going to go this path and I can build my own thing. I had no clue. Because part of what happens to in the business world, like those of us who are sort of behind the scenes minded, as opposed to being like, front and center and on stage and woo in some fashion, like the behind the scenes people, you know, there's so much we can be doing in in building a business these days. Right. And it's so needed. And so the certification model is an empowerment model. That's a big part of why I love it to this day. People will be like, Tina, have you ever thought of starting your own agency? I'm like, well, yes, I have. And no, I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've thought of it many times. You're having Um, too much fun building this field that people can play on, that anyone can go and play on. 
And it's empowering for the business owner to get higher level support. Like an OBM can plug in as a growth partner with that business owner. So that is the other side of the coin. Like you said, both sides of the business model where, you know, when I, I've, I am, I've been that business owner growing through all these stages of business and, and to have a business owner who might be like, all right, I'm making money. Yahoo. And this business is sucking the life out of me and I'm working too much and I'm frustrated and I'm tired. And I'm thinking I might even just throw in the towel and say, screw it because it's too much work. Like to have somebody who's in that space in their business, get that support by partnering with a certified OBM so that everybody gets to continue to grow and expand. Like that's just, that's my favorite thing. I love it. And that's what it's all about. It's about high level support. So with that in mind, people are curious about you. They want to connect with you, whether it's about going through the certification program or even finding a certified OBM or anything else, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, anything on the hiring or becoming an OBM side, they can go to onlinebusinessmanager.com. And that's the home of the association. There's various resources there, um, including our directory, our certified OBM directory. We have an RFP posting process. uh, If you're looking to hire somebody where you can submit submit what you're looking for there. And on the personal side, for just the various other things I'm doing personally, it's at tinaforsythe.com. Awesome. I love it. So last question, kind of go away with this. Is, you know, I, was, I often like to ask my guests this, but if you, based on you know, the life you've lived so far, if you can go back in time to you know, 10, 15, even 20 years in the past and talk to an earlier version of Tina and give her one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? <laughs> This might sound kind of strange, but I don't know if I would give advice as much as I would kind of sit to the side and chuckle and be like, ha ha, you have no idea what's coming. Because <laughs> when I think back to 20 years ago, for example, when I started my business, like I had no idea that I was going to do what I was, that what I'm doing now. I mean, it didn't even exist in all kinds of ways, but I really, I never set out to be a business owner. I never set out to be an entrepreneur, to build like a bigger company and all kinds of things. I was just kind of doing my own thing and making a little bit of money because mm-hmm. I didn't want to work for anybody. You know, I don't like being told what to do. That's kind of the, <laughs> that's sort of the baseline of what started this whole business thing. So um, yeah, there's something about like, just keep going in that sense. You know, that would be the piece I would kind of whisper in my ear, I guess along the way, because there, there's not anything that I would change per se. And I think if I was to go back and be like, Hey, guess what you'll be doing 20 years from now that, you know, 20 years ago, Tina might be like, ah, maybe freak out and run away. Or she'd be like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Despite the uh, the, specific, the specificity or or not so much of of that advice, uh, I you know you can't argue. You gave some wonderful advice advice and insight in this interview here, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking this time out and shedding some light on what an OBM is, and shedding mm-hmm. some light on the real important, uh, crucial identity dynamics that really go into a process when when you're taking your business to the next level and you need to do this. Um, I. 
I, I'm even like, like I have to, I'm thinking of how to title the show. I don't even know if OBM is going to be in the title or if just like identity oh. is going to be in the title because we yeah. really did dive deep into that key core part, which I think will serve so many people. So again, thanks so much for being a guest on the show and sharing that valuable insight and opening the door to that kind of conversation in the heads of a lot of my, my, my uh, listeners. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Tina. That was an awesome interview. I really appreciate you. And guys, of course, you want to make sure to check out onlinebusinessmanager.com or tinaforthsite.com, depending on uh, what she mentioned today that might be your interest. Uh, I highly recommend you check her out because obviously she knows her stuff. While I am giving out links here, a quick reminder, if you want to check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction Book, you'll ever need to read, you can go to lastlawofattractionbook.com or you can go to youtube.com slash Cap if you want to check out the free YouTube content in support of the book. With that said, thanks as always for checking today out and checking out um, all the episodes really and just know that we've got some more awesome guests on the way very soon. So stay tuned. I will see you again next time. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.